This is the Living Clarity Podcast. I'm Coach Radner, and we're here at Old City Radio Studios to film our latest episode, and we have a very special guest today, Corey Drucker. It's great to see you, Corey. Great to be here. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, you know, one thing about you I'm very excited about, you like Living in Clarity, don't you? Very much so. So tell me, what are some things in your life that you do that help you to live in clarity? You know, I think it has to start with with waking up in the morning. You know, it's it's what are you waking up to do? When you go to bed, you're making that checklist in the morning or for the morning to get up and do something. Yes. Right. So what are you doing? So what we do every single morning, the both of us and millions of other people, the first word out of our mouth in the morning is thank you. Yes. Right. It's not I want this. I want that. It's thank you. Yes. And so. What are we? What are we living for? We're living to be thankful. We're thankful we're waking up in the morning. We're thankful we're waking up in the morning. <laughs> yeah. but, but there's so much more to it than that. Yes. Right. So when when something happens to us during the day, we can revert back to what we did. There's this great TED talk about making your bed in the morning. Sure. Right. Why do you make your bed in the morning? Because you succeeded in something that morning. Yeah. Yeah. So when you go back and and you start thinking about it, what the human psychology does, it it reverts back to what happened earlier that day and then past experiences. But what's happening? now is the first thing that you did is you're saying thank you you know right? it's funny because i my my day has actually started the night before i am I set that. up i am set up the night before to be ready because in the morning i have to walk the dog for sure i go to minion i also have to make the lunches for my children i have uh right now four children at home and i make their lunches and i also make my wife and i uh, like a fruit bowl i've been like two years I've been eating fruit bowls nice. with some nuts and that's, that's it a little bit of syrup and salt it's great for two years i still love it because the fruit changes all the time so the night before, I make the fruit bowls. I make sure that my kitchen is completely clean. I make sure I have in my mind what I'm making for my, all my kids or I write it down. I don't take the bread out of the freezer because I want the bread to be fresh when I heat it up in the morning, you know, for sandwiches. Uh, but I am prepared the night before, before I even go to bed. And I wake up in the morning and I say, Thank you, Hashem. Thank you, God, for returning my soul to me. Thank you. I can wake up. I can make decisions. I can walk to the bathroom. All the holes, which, by the way, most people take this for granted for that sure. every hole you have in your body works the right way because it goes against gravity, right? You know, you know gravity, you know, they say if you want to, you know, water always finds the lowest point, you know. So we have holes and the water doesn't leak out, you know. And but not only that, if we if our body didn't function, our legs would be massive because our, our legs would fill up with water. Oh, you die. Yeah. Yeah, you die. Horrible. Yeah. So what else do you thank of for? What else am I thankful for? Every single morning, I get to wake up, and I look over, and I have a brand new newborn. He's six weeks oh, old right now, and it's just absolutely incredible to see him just passed out uh, in his little <laughs> crib that's uh, attached to our bed. Aren't you waking up like at four in the morning? So? Yeah, okay. Just because I wake up and it's dark out doesn't mean he, he's still not like the most beautiful thing I ever sure. see. yeah. You know, and uh, I wake up and I, I just get to, to see and just say, like, wow, look at the life I have the opportunity to build. Right. Everything might not be working out the way I want it to be or, or the way I expected it to be, but I still get to be thankful for what I have. Right. And, and get to look forward to the future. If we look in our past and we say, oh, you know, was yesterday a good day? You know, what am I going to be doing here? It, it's not. It's not uh, really the best way to live your life, right? But if you're thankful, that means that you're thankful for everything that was in the past and everything that's going to come up in the future. And you get to actually live your life in the present. And I feel most people today, they have such a hard time living their life in the present. Sure. 
Yeah, they say uh, uh, yesterday's past, tomorrow's the future, but today the present is a gift. Is a gift. It's a gift. It is a gift. And we have to live in the moment of the life that we're in, whether it's good or it's bad. And that's the very hard thing that people have a hard time being thankful, having gratitude when things are going bad. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say, like, there's there's a story of the Baal Shem Tov, and he says, I don't know it exactly, but uh, that every bracha that we received uh, and that we even daven for is there waiting for us. It's just sometimes it's packaged in the present of a challenge. And are you willing to overcome that challenge? And then the bracha is right there for you. The blessing. The blessing. Maybe, maybe right that challenge you. is is going to help bring about that blessing that we have in our life. For sure. And we don't see it. And that's part of it, right? We don't necessarily know what uh, is the best thing for us, but we know what we want and we know what we ask for. And so one of the things that we could work towards is say, you know what, there's this challenging thing in my life. I want to overcome that. And we can see what's on the other side. Maybe on the other side is is everything I'm asking for. Yeah, there's a uh, there's a Gamora ancient Jewish wisdom that says for every bad thing that happens to you in life, something good is going to come from it. For sure. And so this is why we should be thankful. Thank God for everything in our life that's good, obviously. We think obviously. It's good. Don't, don't, don't want to take anything for granted. It's funny, if you ask, you know, when I when I teach classes to non-observant Jews or non-observant people at all, and I say, what's your favorite holiday? And I say, not Jewish holiday. What's your favorite holiday? And they'll say Thanksgiving. Why Thanksgiving? Because it's a day where everybody gets together and you're just surrounded by family and nobody's thinking about anything in the past or the future and you're just eating and, and spending time together yeah. that you don't have the opportunity to have any other day of the year because we don't make it a priority in our lives. Yeah, this is why uh, the holiday Shabbat, the Jewish holiday, comes every single week. It's such an amazing day because it allows you to put everything else aside, all the accoutrements we have in our life, our cars and our businesses and our meetings and our birthday parties and our shopping and our internet use and all these different things we have in our life we put it aside and we spend the day with our family and our community and we get to thank god for everything that he's given to us and it's hard to do that's why thanksgiving is amazing because thanksgiving no one's planning meetings for thanksgiving day i think a lot of these stores that were opening on thursday nights yeah decided you know we're not doing this anymore for our employees and that's they've a decided, good thing and because what happened was uh, Black Friday. Like, Black Friday started and they started making it. You know, I, remember, I don't remember when I was little Black Friday. I wouldn't call it Black Friday when I was little. Like the stores would open like at nine o'clock. Yeah. People would be camped out the store. Like, oh, let's open at eight. Let's open at seven. Let's open at 3 a.m. And let's, let's open the night before. Let's just destroy the holiday of Thanksgiving and have all people shopping. Yeah. And that bothered me. I don't blame you. Yeah. I think it bothered me too because you're you're taking what an entire culture deemed as as a holiday, something to um, you know, be thankful for and get together as a family and now you're separating the family unit again. Yeah. And you're saying, you know, your family's great and all and it's probably why you have a job to make money uh, is to support this family of yours and it, we appreciate it, but you know, in the end of the day, Come to work instead. Yeah, or, or hurry up and eat your dinner, finish watching the Dallas Cowboys game, and get to the, to Walmart, right? Exactly. Like, get there as fast as you can get the Beanie Baby, whatever they're going to sell that year. Whatever the, the new that, year, that, that year's Beanie Baby. Yeah, so it's amazing. Abraham Lincoln in 1863 made a proclamation, and he said we're going to—you going to, can Google, Google this with uh, Rabbi Google, actually. And he said that you, um, every— state in the union celebrated a day of thanksgiving but it was different days of the year november and he said we're going to make it the fourth thursday of every november where the country can come together he said we're going to thank the almighty 
that our country, which was at war in 1863, was at war in Civil War, and we were very vulnerable at that time in, in, in our country's birth, and we could have had another nation come in and destroy us, and they didn't, and that we're going to have a day of thanking God. And that's what the day of Thanksgiving is about. And so he made it that particular day, and it's people's favorite holiday. You know, if you're not Jewish, it's your favorite holiday. And if you are, unless it's Christmas or something. But if you are Jewish, it's still one of your favorite holidays. Well, I even know a lot of people that aren't religious, and they're like, well, I don't want Christmas because it's too religious for me. Yeah. I don't think there's that much religion left in Christmas. No, it's, it's, become, it's become a um, um, a it's really— a Hallmark holiday. Madison Avenue yeah. marketing holiday. is what percent Yeah. You know, I, I think uh, we used to joke about this growing up. Like, at what point are they going to start selling the next holiday? Because you'd go October and Thanksgiving, uh, uh, what is it, Halloween. Yes. And then November is Thanksgiving, and then December is Christmas, and then you have New Year's. And so every year we'd start seeing, oh, uh, Halloween ended. Let's go straight into selling Thanksgiving stuff. Well, Hallmark makes up holidays. <laughs> that is Every very day true. because they want to sell cars. So, oh, it's Secretary Day. It's Mother's Day. It's Father's Day. Boss Appreciation Day. Boss Appreciation Day. It's Sister Day. It's Daughter Day. It's Sunday. They just keep it. It's Doggy Day. Dog, I'm sure dogs have it. Bring your kid to work day card. Labradoodle day. I'm sure they have specific days just for your type of dog. <laughs> so you can go out and buy your dog a card at Hallmark, right? Exactly. Yeah. So one of the ways that I get clarity in life, okay. personally, is when I was on my Jewish journey. I was not raised in an observantly Jewish home. Uh, I started learning a concept uh, called the 48 Ways of Wisdom. Mm -hmm. right? I'm sure you've learned this. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. The 48 ways of wisdom is taken from the Mishnah, our, our Jewish oral Torah, and it talks about the different 48 ways that you need to get wisdom in life to live with clarity. It's also a way when you're learning Torah for the first time in order to bring, or learning any sort of religion for the first time, to bring God into your heart. Yeah. And it's really hard to understand the concept with God when you never really lived a God-centric focused life, and it helps to allow your heart to open up. Mm -hmm. And by the way, I also think that this is also an antidote for people who are having a hard time getting married. Okay. Because they explain that more. Yeah. Cause I don't think they, I, I think they put blocks and they don't allow people to open, they don't open themselves up to allow other people in their heart. Sure. Cause there has a specific, they have to be like this. Like, I did a whole podcast called you don't know your type until you meet your type. Okay. Cause people have their types so you have to meet like, and you weren't like that by the way. I was you, not you, like, you that. were very open when you were dating. 100%. Yeah. And um, when they get some of this wisdom in their life, they understand joy, they understand fear, they understand uh, what it means to listen. One of, the yep. big, one of the big things in the 48 ways of wisdom is listening. They'll, they'll be more open to allowing other people into their heart, you know, into their, into their, into their universe. I like to look at it as a uh, shape, sor shape sorter. If you remember when you were little okay. and you have like a, well, you have a, how old is your baby now? He's uh, six weeks. Oh. Cutie pie. Yes, we can bring him in soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when they get to be about, you know, six, seven, eight months, okay. they'll start playing with shapes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And they'll put them to the bin. The star goes into the star. star right? And they can't fit it in. The cube goes into the cube. And so a smart kid's going to take the lid off and just throw it in. <laughs> and when you're and when you're in a dating world, you know, you have your specific type you have to have that fits into your life. Well, you have make it much harder in order to meet someone. And so you got to take off that lid and get rid of that shape shorter and just Shape sorter. I can't say that word. Shape That's sorter. Okay. And uh, the 48 ways helps you to um, to really bring someone yeah. to your life. Yeah. For sure. I also think you, you mentioned a really good point earlier because you, you said like to open your heart. 
right? And I think, uh, especially in Judaism, it's it's very much about your heart, and it's how you connect to people. That's how you connect to to Hashem. Yeah. Uh, but there's another aspect, which is your brain. Right. And uh, Hazal, uh, the great sages back in the day, say that the furthest point that a person has is from his mind to his heart. That was actually Rabbi Salanter. So the greatest yeah. distance in the world between your brain and your heart is. Yeah. yeah. And so um, so something that we, we also need to live with when we're living with clarity, we have to know the truth and know what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then it's much easier to open our hearts. Because if we don't know why we're doing something, it's very hard to just go and do it, right? Like there's some Jewish traditions and there's some, you know, college traditions that they have. And they're just like, this is what we do because we've done it for a hundred years since the university was founded. And we're just going to keep doing it. And we don't know why or, or if we're doing it right anymore, right? And there's something special and unique about Judaism that we've been doing the same thing for thousands of years. Now, I think it's a shame that a lot of people today have forgotten the why behind it. Sure. And we're just kind of going about the motions. Well, if you don't know the why, you can't do the how. I mean, we have yeah. halacha to say this is how you do it, yeah. right? I mean, I don't know if it's the best thing for but us. But if you don't know why, if when I when I start learning Torah, I'm like, if I don't know the why, why would I want to do? It? I want to know why I'm doing these things. Now yeah. we know we know there's certain things in Jewish law, that we don't know the why. Sure, a chok. The chok. They're called chok. These are these are these are commandments, mitzvahs that we people will make. Um, answers for you to give you an answer. For example, one of the big ones that's a hoax is kosher. Kosher. Why do we keep kosher? For sure. Now, people, if you go ask your your neighborhood rabbi, he's going to say, "Well, because it keeps the Jewish people separate; they don't have to eat with the go, you know, the non-Jews, or it's because all the animals that are kosher are." Tame animals. There's no wild animals that are, and they have special physiological features that. Well, that's a different. Yeah, yeah, it's a really okay. Cool. Okay, we're getting into area of of like proof of God and proof of Torah. Yeah, that uh, we can go there. We we can, we, we can go I'm there. Sure I'm, I'm okay. We're I'm gonna okay. go there. Oh, let's go, babe. Let's go. We're gonna go there. I, I am completely blown away about the concept because in some European countries now they've been trying to ban what's called um, shrita. Shrita. Shrita is kosher slaughter. Yeah, when and. In the non-kosher world, when they killed an animal, they use um, electric stick. Uh, so you can either use electric stick, gas, a bolt gun. Yeah. Um, you can use a whole plethora of uh, ways to so, to harvest your meat. Yes. So one of the ways that what the only way that you have to do it in shemitah, not shemitah, shrita, shemitah, is they have to have a, a sharp knife. A sharp knife with no nicks. no nicks on it whatsoever, and I don't know I don't know the, all the details of that knife. Either. I haven't gotten to that Gamora yet, and they have to quickly cut the windpipe and the blood pipe of the animal. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what's unbelievable unbelievable is that every kosher animal, I should say this, every non kosher animal has the the vein that goes from their brain to the rest of their body in the back of the neck. It's two, actually, from two my understanding. Okay, two of One, them. It's an artery that goes from like their heart through the front of the neck to their brain. Yes. And the vein goes from the back of the neck uh, to to the like the rest of the body. Or it might be the opposite, something like that. So, but, all, um, but all, they're not together. They're not together. They're not together. Every kosher animal has those two veins. Yep. Next to the windpipe, right in front. So when they check an animal, 
The animal, Shecht is the term that we use to kill the animal. Kill the, the, animal. animal. the animal doesn't feel it because the blood has now stopped flowing to the brain. Yep. No they way. actually they even did studies, I think, in Europe to find what is the most humane way to kill an animal. And they attached uh, sensors to these different animals yes. as they were killing them to see uh, how long the spike of pain would be. And the only one that had zero evidence of any pain was the kosher slaughtering. Yeah, that's pretty. I know it's funny. I just learned that like about a year ago and I'm like, I was completely blown away. Did we talk about that about a year ago? I don't know if we talked about it. Okay. I haven't seen you much recently, but the, um, uh, so that's what's considered a hoax is we, uh, it's a mitzvah. It's a commandment that we don't understand why we're doing. For sure. Yeah. I, I think though something, something like going back to it to really bring a point out is, you know, we're choosing to live a life and there's some things that we don't know why we do it. And and we're OK with it because we have this foundational piece to say, I know the way I'm living is the best way I'm living. I, I think for, for a little like a side conversation that we could jump into again is what does the word Torah translate to? It means instructions. Instructions. So what is God giving us? God gave Moshe Rabbeinu something called the Torah at Har Sinai. Um, Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. Thousands of years ago. Right. So what is he if we translate it into English, that means that God gave uh, Moshe um, a book of instructions. Now, what what are these instructions to? Well, just like anything else you buy in the world, we just bought an air fryer. Nice. Way, love okay. it. Oh, my gosh. Game changer in the kitchen. Why even have an oven anymore? Right. When you have an air fryer, I, I'm like, why have I have a meat oven? I have a dairy oven. Like, just buy like six air fryers. And you know, like, <laughs> I, like, why have an oven? Especially like, when there's a rice cooker in it for this country. Like, like, it's crazy. It's like it's, it's a, we use it. It makes the best French fries. Like okay. in the SL. Anyway, I use very little oil. Anyway, it comes with an instruction manual. Not that I read it, but it comes same, with one. Same with your phone. My phone. Your well, phone comes with instruction manual. Computer comes with instruction manual. But even like, I mean, maybe not. Maybe a um, a what do you call it? when you peel vegetables? A vegetable peeler that might not come with instructions, right? Because that's kind of obvious. In all honesty, it should because some it people lick their fingers. <laughs> right. No, have you already done it? And Everything. You make bit of your thumb and it comes right off, and you're bleeding. And now you gotta like it should come with instructions. Everything in the world has instructions. Yeah. Everything. Everything. A car. Instructions for the instructions. Look, it's just like a car, right? It has an instruction manual. And in the instruction manual, it'd say at 7,500 miles, you need to change your oil. Yes. How you do it is not in the instruction manual, but there are other instructions for that. Sure. It's, right? it's amazing. But it says in order for you to get the most life and the most usage out of your car, you change the oil every 7,500 miles. Right. Right. So what's this thing that, that Moshe Rabbeinu received? He received an instruction manual for the human. Yes. The human, we we are, in layman's terms, we're, we're like a machine in a sense, right? We have certain things that function certain ways. And most of us are not running to, it very well either, by the way. Very true. Like most of us not running our human body very well, not just physically, emotionally, spiritually, mm -hmm. intellectually. Like, and that's, that. you know, that's, by the way, that stands for PIES, physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual. Nice. That's my acronym for PIES I use all the time. Because if we don't know how to run our life, how can we live the best life possible? How can we reach our potential in life? How can we live with clarity? We can't. We can have an instruction manual. If you can't walk down the block without huffing and puffing, you're, you can't live the best life that you possibly no. can. No. 
You know, so you have to get out there and you have to exercise. And there are all these people out there that are saying, what what's the best way to do it, right? And it's like, just get out and go. Go for a walk. I, I, I get off topic sometimes, as you know. And I want to mention you and me both. You, right, but we want to get back to this idea of, of we're talking about Shemitah and hopes. Okay. But I want to talk about how when I go and rent a car, in a, when I rent cars now, and it's freezing outside, I can't figure out how to turn the air conditioning on. The air heating on. It, it, like, it used to be you had two buttons. You You dial. Basically, hot, cold, high, low. And that was it. And the vents, you just kind of adjusted yourself. You close, open, and move on your way. Yep. Easy. Now, it's like this whole system. This it's a touch screen. You touch get screen. into the settings I menu. can't figure out how to get in there. Yeah. I had a car recently at Ford yesterday, last week in Orlando. I had the touch screen. I couldn't figure out how to get it on. And thank God, when I was in D.C. one time, it was freezing. I had heated seats. I couldn't figure out how to heat on. I couldn't do it. It's too complicated. <laughs> Right? It's just funny and that's how, just how make something so complicated now. Yeah. Anyway, so we mentioned the idea of kashrut being a hope, being a, a myth we don't understand. And there are lots of things that we do in our life we don't understand. The things you do in your life you don't understand that are not even religious or, are, you know, have to do with religion. Mm-hmm. Right? Let alone a lot of things we do. Like you just had a, a brisk for your baby boy. I did. A mazel tov. I was I there. It was yeah. very nice. Now, what blows me away about this is that the Torah okay. says that a baby boy has to have a bris on the eighth day of his life. Okay. You've heard of this, right? I think so. Yes. Yeah, it's funny. So I have a friend, I have a friend, Rabbi Chaplowitz, who's in Palm Beach Gardens. Yeah. And he's a moil. He, he does brises. Okay. Amazing. And he lives in a very, very Jewish area, and he doesn't have that much business because most people choose to have their baby circumcised at the hospital on the first or first second day, or third yeah. day, which is ridiculous. There is a reason why the Torah says to have it on the eighth day. We don't understand it. It's probably... Again, a it's a hoax. Yeah. But science has proved that a baby produces a certain vitamin, vitamin K. Vitamin K. I know well, very well. There's actually a vitamin K shot that they give kids nowadays to make sure that they have enough for the first few days of life. Right. Because they don't start producing it. We, for, pa- we passed on that one too. We passed on that one. I'm just saying there is a shot. <laughs> yeah. Everyone takes it, I'm sure. Anyway, so uh, scientists have proved that. The baby produces very little vitamin K in its first seven days. So it's, I think it's um, like 10%, 30%, 40%, 50 and it gets up to, on the seventh day, 100% vitamin K. Yes. And the eighth day, it gets the most it'll ever a human will ever have for all 120 years of their life. Yes. It gets to what they call 110%. Sure. Which doesn't make sense to me. It should just be the eighth day is 100, and then you go back down to 90. Never. Right? I, don't, I don't know how to calculate and then, it. And then it. And then it goes down to the no, the Normal. average range right. of vitamin K that you have for the rest of your life until you die. Sure. And that's only on the eighth day that that happens. Yeah. That that occurrence is there. I, I was reading a um, atheist website okay. a number of years ago. I love those. Yes, and it said... People ask that question. Okay. And the answers were mind-boggling. People commented the Jews are smart, and they figured out through trial and error, trial and error, that the eighth day was the healthiest day for baby to have a birth. You also know, though, my baby didn't have it on the eighth day. That's right. Why? So why not? Because unfortunately, he was a little sick. Chazbush he was a little sick. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to wait, I believe, like three and a half weeks. Sure. To have uh, to have his bris, I think it was like like three days before his fourth week of life. Okay. Um. Why? Why is that? He, whatever it was, he was a little sick. We had to be in the the NICU for quite some time. How long were you in the NICU for? 
three weeks oh, and then a little bit and then and then um what Jewish law mandates is afterwards, after you get out, you get a clean bill of health from the doctor. Then you have to wait an additional seven days mm-hmm. to make sure that the baby really is good, even though the doctor said he's fine. And then after that, uh, you can have the bris. Nice. So uh, so we did end up waiting. I think we waited about four weeks to have our bris. And, uh, you know, to me, it felt a little bit more special because it wasn't on the eighth day. Uh, And it was a very special moment. Uh, That being said, too, um, it was, you know, not how it's supposed to be in a perfect world. So the world's not perfect. The world is not perfect. And there are uh, leniencies and there Mm -hmm. are outs for certain things and situations like that for sure yeah so so it's even if even if we did trial and error what happens when there's a sick baby you know at what point do you say okay go for it how do you how do you know that jewish law has been set up for thousands of years and when we're going through it we're not going through it based upon trial sure there was no trial i mean avram avinu when did he have his bris he had his bris when he was 80 or something 99 years old i think okay right and so he's He's this very old man, older than most people get today. And that's when he had his bris, right? It could have been at 99 we have our bris. It could be Ishmael. He had his bris at 13 years old. Yes. It could have been at 13. It would have been a challenge for for us, but uh, I'm sure most of us would do it uh, at that point. And and it is a shame that a lot of people do it uh, in the hospital and not have uh, a really beautiful semin- uh, ceremony. Sure. And a nice meal. And a nice meal. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm extra lucky. I actually did my son's bris. You did. You did. I, I, did I, I, I always make sure when I go to bris, I'm kind of in the back of the room. I hear. I understand. I, I mean, I don't want to pass it I out. Get that. Like, I was, I I was the, right there. Yeah. Uh, you know? You did the bris. I did the bris. Yeah. It was a very... Um, it was a very moving experience. Yeah. No, it really was. There was a moil there, though? There was a moil there. Was it? Moshe Chaim Eid. Oh, Rabbi Eid. Yeah. Eid, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, it was a very experienced moil that allowed me to uh, to do it. Did you train on anybody? Did you practice? On anybody? <laughs> I, I practiced on my finger. This one's a little shorter now, okay. you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, we. I think we sat down for like five minutes uh, a little bit before, maybe like an hour before, and he took out some latex gloves and he took the knife out, oh, yeah. and he's like, "We're not going to use this one because it might dull." I have a different okay, knife. Okay, not talking about anymore because you just talk. I just about practice. It, it just practice makes some perfect. Reason, the, for some reason the 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 shechita, the killing of the animals, didn't bother me, but like the bris, the, the like, human aspect. Oh god, I do get very queasy yeah. when it comes to human injuries. I, it's, I, I'm queasy yeah. right now just talking about it. I'm here. That's yeah. fine. We, yeah. we can move back. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but there's there's something very. Uh, unique about Jewish law, you know, they can the atheists whether they can say, oh, they're just very smart people. And you know, I think it was, I, I, I listened to something. I think Jordan Peterson said he said the average IQ of Ashkenazi Jews is 115, right. which is above. That means the average of us is higher than the average of um, pretty much every other uh, person because the the average for humans is 100. I think they said the average for anti-Semite is 80. Okay, that's fair. Isn't that crazy? I I, I read a stat that said it's 20 below the average human. I I don't know if it's true because I don't understand the... the, I don't know about uh, that. I I mean, we can read it together if we want. Yeah. So I've been learning with my rabbi in the morning about the the, the calendar, the Jewish calendar. So the Jewish year is lunar year. It's based on the moon. Correct. Yep. And the moon cycle 
people, if you ask what the moon cycle is, we'll say about 29 and a half days, mm -hmm. right? But it's actually 29 days, okay. 12 hours, 44 minutes, and three and a third seconds. Mm -hmm. It's called a helic, right? Yep. Right? Three and a third seconds. And when... Hang on, how, how do we know that? Can we, where, where, where does it come from? Just say where it comes from. No, you just go ahead, please. It, it comes from, from a Gemara. Yes. Right? And and you're going to go on to say NASA? Well, NASA, once they got the Hubble telescope up into space, they were able to, because there's always, it's always been like a second off with, with scientists. Right. Well, that's why uh, the Gregorian calendar has, has every four years is a leap year to make up that time. Uh, no, that's, well, that's solar. That's it's, different. it's different. It's well, different. The, the regular calendar that we go on 365 days a year, right, it's true. actually 365 and a quarter days a year. So every four years, we have to lose a day because we've, we've gained gain a day. We have to gain a day. We have to gain a day to make up for that two, four yeah, quarters. Yeah. Right, you're correct. Gain a day. So the Jewish calendar is based on lunar. And when they finally got Hubble into space and they were able to measure the, I guess, the lunar cycle at a much closer rate, Precise it came closer. Measurement. It's not exact, but it came closer to the, what the Jews have been doing for thousands and thousands of years. I think it's like two minutes off their thing. Two minutes a, a month? Or two two, minutes, two a minutes off. No, for one cycle. Okay. Like they have it like 29 days, 12 hours, and I think their minutes are just a little off. I don't know the difference. Something like that. Like it, yeah. it's incredibly close and we didn't have the hubble telescope when this was written no we knew that this was a thing before it was written down because that's how we had to establish our months yeah that is a, a crazy thing because when you think about it it's like how how could we have known that how can they set the calendar for thousands of years how do they do that who the, the angel Knesset? yeah that's going two thousand years ago they set the jewish calendar for i don't know how long maybe six thousand years until Mashiach, I guess. Yeah, you know, six thousand yeah. years. I said it for, and I mean, it's, not, it's not wrong. Keep going. Huh? It can keep going because I think how they set it up is, in a way, it does it repeat itself. It can repeat itself. It doesn't repeat itself every nineteen years, or does it? I don't think. No, so. that's that's when the, the Jewish account. day and the uh, English day will line up. Every nineteen years. Every nineteen years. Yeah. So, so if like January eleventh was on a Thursday, and it was good Tet Tevet whatever it was, um, in 19 years, January 11th will be on a Thursday. Okay. Your Ted Tevis will also be on that oh, Thursday. That's really funny. Something like that. I know it's a 19-year cycle for leap years. I know that cycle. No, it's more than that. No, no, it's every... We have a leap year on the Jewish calendar. Year. I think it's like third, two every, years, three years. It's three, oh, six, on a 19, okay, okay. three, six, eight, 11, 14, 17, and 19. Right. And I'm going to give you something very interesting. This is kind of a deep idea here. Okay. We are in the eighth year of that cycle, which means every... In the Jewish calendar, because... There's only 354 days a year in a Jewish year. Yep. Every every year we lose 11 days. Okay. So the holidays get 11 days earlier based on the Gregorian calendar. Mm -hmm. So there's a concept in Torah that the holiday of Passover, Pesach, must be in the spring. In spring. Now, if we didn't set leap years, which means we have a leap year, we add an extra month of Adar in, which pushes that calendar back uh, twenty nine. Uh, pushes back thirty days. Exactly right. thirty days. Yeah. If we didn't change, by the way, you know, if you if you look at the Muslims that have Ramadan, oh, it could be any month of the year. They don't. Does. They don't adjust their calendar because they 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 their calendar is based on solar and lunar. No, ours is based on solar and lunar. Theirs is based solely on lunar. Okay, so, just on lunar. So we they have we have a solar aspect to it. So 
since that happens, Ramadan, where they fast from morning to evening, yep. can be any time of the year, whether winter or winter. It could so. be in the summertime with 12-hour fast, and crazy. it could be in the wintertime with 6-hour fast, 7-hour. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the Jewish calendar, when we have to add that extra month in, we that 30 days pushes Passover closer to the summer. Correct. Which is this year. We're in the yep. eighth year of that cycle. Two of those... This is a little complicated. Two of those leap years happen when there's only one break between a leap year. And this yes. is this year. Yes. So the sixth year of the calendar was a leap year. The seventh year wasn't, which was last year. Now we're in the eighth year, which means we didn't get pushed back two 11-day cycles, only one 11-day cycle, mm -hmm. which means the holidays, especially Passover, gets pushed closest to the summer on the eighth year and the 19th year yep. of the cycle, which is closer to what they call Asav's summer because in the summertime in, okay. in our Jewish calendar is when all the destructions of the temple happen, all the bad uh, things, all the horrible things the Jewish people happened in the summertime. Right. We have the we have the nine day fast, the nine days of uh, nine days of mourning and of mourning with the three weeks yeah. where we don't do dangerous things. We have Tisha B'av, we have Seventeen Tammuz, and that holiday of Passover, which is redemption for the Jewish people, okay. right, yep. is closest to the Asaf's summer. Which when a lot of things happen, I haven't done more research on this, but I know the 1948 war in Israel okay. happened that year. I know on, on the eighth year, on the eighth year or eighth or nineteenth year, I don't know. Okay. 1967 war happened. The 2003 um, expulsion of Gush Tatif in Gaza Strip, okay. you know, which really led to this war here, like you know, pretty much. And what year are we in? We're in the eighth year, right? We're right now. We're, having, wait, we're in the eighth year. It happened in the eighth year. In yeah. fact, it happened only because uh, it was Sukkot. It was it was no, it uh, happened like. Three it's weeks after, three weeks after the year started. started, yeah, the war that we have now. So it's really strange in Jewish history. We look at the eighth, and nineteenth year, and bad things happen. I'm sure we can get into this eventually. <laughs> yeah, but it's a lot. Time, it's a lot. Is, is time a, a line or more like a coil? Huh? Right, because right. time is more like a coil than events are repeating. Life does repeat itself. So I mean, who would have ever thought? And I don't, I don't, I don't want to focus this no, podcast on that. That's way too much. Time. Yeah, well, I'm like, how much hate there'd be in the Jewish people? Like, like how, like the Holocaust is going to happen again? Like, you kidding me? Look, just, we, it, we have a slogan. We have a slogan for it, and it says "Never again," right? Yeah. September 11th had a slogan "Never again," mm -hmm. and the Holocaust "Never again." I'm sure there are other things that have happened that we say "Never again." Sure. How often do eerily similar events actually happen like that? I think it kind of they kind of do happen. Yeah, you know, even though we say never again and everything like that, it it still happens. Yeah, as much as we don't want it to. Yeah, let's get into a little bit of this forty eight ways of wisdom I wanted to talk For about. Sure. Just you know, before we end this podcast, so lots of concept in this. But by the way, this book, if you uh, want to get some clarity in life, this book's called the Forty Eight Ways of Wisdom. It was written by the concepts are written by Rabbi Noah Weinberg, the founder of Asha Torah. But it's written by Rabbi Cooper Smith and Rabbi Simmons, who are, yep. who are still with us today and who are very, very popular speakers and authors. And some of the things that these 48 ways of wisdom have in it are talks about uh, effective listening, um, understanding the heart, the power of, of happiness, huh? pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Mastering fear, humility, joy, purity. Serving the wise, examining ideas with friends, trusting Be wise men, trusting wise men, making yourself a coach. They say it called make yourself a rabbi, but really it's making yourself someone. And by the way, this is such an important thing in life. I, I like, I just can't believe that most people go into a situation. The biggest decision they're gonna make in their life is what? Marriage. Who they're gonna marry? Yet most people don't go into it with a 
someone to Clear guide head. them. Clear head, someone to guide them, a rabbi, a rebbetzin, a priest, someone, a, a parent to help guide them to make the right decisions in life. Not only that, I, th- I think we're very blessed in the sense that we go through uh, like Hassan training. Uh, uh, oh, in the in, like in the Torah training. In the Torah world, uh, you're trained. You're trained to be a good husband. <laughs> yes, yes. And and uh, you know this wisdom's been passed down for thousands of years. And if you're not, you're going to the wrong yeshiva. Like <laughs> right. no, you got to be trained. It's, no, it's not even that. It's like uh, you're going down the wrong path of life. Sure. Right. Because it's like, how are you supposed to know what to do in X Y Z situation? Whenever it comes up, it's going to come up. You're going to get into an argument. Argument, but it's how you resolve that argument, right? And so if you were trained a little bit before and you had conversations beforehand of saying like something like this is going to happen and we want to already like have it set up that you know you this is what to expect and here are ways in which you can talk to help uh, like mitigate what's going on and work it so it's not you versus your wife, but instead it's you and your wife versus the problem. Sure. Right? And so there's- Marriage is about we, not me. Right, exactly. Um, And it's just very crucial for a lot of relationships, right? What's the divorce rate in America now? About 60%. 60%. Yeah. If someone said, listen, you can't get out of this marriage once you get into it. Divorce rate is going to be much less. Sure. But also, you look at the Catholic Church, they have, I think, the most amount of marriage therapists because they can't get divorced. Sure. Right? And so their divorce rate is zero because they can't do it. But also, they have some of like the, the top marriage therapists in the world because they need to do it. And so they're starting to look at this Jewish wisdom of these like Hassan and Kala classes. Sure. Of how Hassan to, and Kala are groom, bride and groom. Bride and groom. Bride and groom. Right. Uh, and and how to how to have the best uh, and most successful relationship possible. Sure, sure. I like to teach those classes. You do? I would like to. I mean, I love teaching about marriage. They're yeah. They're, I got a book coming out. They're heavy classes. Infinite marriage. Okay. Four phases of love and relationship will be out through Mosaic Press in the spring of two thousand twenty-three. That's what that. Thank you. Thank you. We'll have to do an episode on that also. For sure. Absolutely. Anyway, I just wanted to touch on base, touch a little bit, but it's 40 Ways of Wisdom. Let's We're not going to get into it now, but I'd like to maybe film some podcasts with you based on some of these ideas. Let's do it. Getting into We're going to do it today because we don't Right, right. Yeah, yeah. But effective listening, which is such an important thing about relationships, how to listen to somebody, what it means to listen to somebody, um, understanding your heart, what you really want in life, and living your life for that purpose. You mm-hmm. mentioned earlier in the podcast, if you don't know the why, how can you do the how? What's my purpose right. in life? The power of awe. Oh, that's so good. And one of my favorites, joy. Living with joy. You know, like, I can't imagine why it's your favorite. I don't know why. It just is one of my favorites, living with joy, finding joy in everything in life. You know, I was in a, I was flying home from Miami a few weeks ago. Okay. And um, when you fly from Miami, I think it leaves at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And like about two hours in the flight, you get your dinner. They give you dinner. <laughs> and then you sleep. And then well, you'll sleep. Hopefully you sleep. Well, not from Miami, you don't. And I was I was in the sitting next to two people. And I the guy says, how's the food? I go, It's great. And the woman's next, I guess his partner and him is like, what do you mean? It's great. I'm like, I'm sitting at like 35,000 feet going 600 miles per hour in an aluminum tube. And some woman brings me a hot meal and a drink. What's not there to like? I mean, right. like, okay, the food's not great. Whatever. It's fine. I don't care. I'm happy. 
No one's expecting a five star restaurant. When no, you but plane. it's good, and that food is good. I mean, yeah. it's pretty good. They've gotten they've gotten pretty good at making you know this this airplane food. I think the best thing about uh, the airplane food yeah. is when you order a kosher meal, you get it first. So you get yeah, I know you're it's basically funny. done with your meal by the time everyone gets there. No, it's so, so you can be napping when they're all coming through. Sure, sure. Well, Corey, it's been great having you on the show. I'm Thank very excited. You. Pleasure. You know, you just got married. What? How long ago? Six months ago? A year? A year, a year ago? A year. You had your first baby. Change, yeah. And uh, life's like you're you're in the middle of the best part of life. Yep. And uh, we want to get the wisdom from you that can help people live with clarity in life because that's what I want from everybody, all my listeners. My goal for this podcast is for you to reach your potential in life and all aspects of life. And that has to do with relationships, dating, marriage, finance, uh, spirituality, self-esteem, all the things that are very important for people to be happy. And I hope that we can you know, with your help, we can help bring that clarity to our audience. I really hope so. All right. This is Coach Radner on the Living Clarity Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you next time, folks.